everyone, and welcome to this conversation presented by White House Custom Color. I'm Jed Toffer. Thanks for listening. You know, my wife Vicki and I have owned and operated our photography studio, V Gallery, for 20 years now. White House has been our lab for the last 16 of those years, and we could not be happier. White House is a family-run business, just like ours. If you haven't already, check them out at whcc.com. And if you want to drop me a line, feel free to email me at jed at whcc.com. She's an explorer. She's a legend. She's an icon. And she's not even 35. Canon Explorer of Light Lindsay Adler graciously accepted our invitation for a conversation to discuss her meteoric rise, her pioneering role as a female photographer and educator, as well as how the industry has changed and continues to do so. We also discussed Canon's new R5 and the benefits of the technology contained therein. Lindsay was wonderful to chat with. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. So the last, okay, the last 10 years has been something, like the last decade was something else in this industry, right? Mm-hmm. And there were a few people, like a handful of people that really stand out from this last decade as people that kind of exploded, Mm-hmm. especially women photographers, especially female totally. photographers, right? Totally. You're one yeah. of the, so you're one of those people. Thanks. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, you, you just are right. I want to <laughs> know from you what that was like. Cause you were, <laughs> you were, you were really young too. When that mm-hmm. started, you're sure. still young, but you were really young <laughs> 10 years ago. I was. Yeah. What, what, how did that happen? What happened to you? <laughs> that sounds so like like uh look looking back at like what was the the point where you went crazy like what well, may- to you? <laughs> i don't mean it to be akin to that but maybe it no, is no, no, maybe no, it no, is totally. like but but really what how how what in the world seriously wait i don't want to interrupt you but do are we are we doing like do you do um, do I need to do any like formal anything introduction lead in outro since we cut it off and it came back in? Or well, you, do that you at the can. End? It, it, we won't do a formal one, but you can. You can. I guess you can say who you are. Oh, I don't be need like, to. I just. I just was like our connection. Everybody got knows. Up, so everybody know. knows who you are. So I felt kind of stupid like doing a formal. No, and I usually no, don't do totally that fine. stuff anyway. No, so you don't need to. It's fine. I can. I, I can. I uh, just want to know. I just want to know what in the world <laughs> happened the last ten years to you. Seriously. Yeah. Okay. So. Here's how I look at it. Um, I think that there were two things that helped me succeed kind of in the photo teaching realm. And there's something different in, in the photo realm as well, like separately. Okay. So there's like, there's teaching and then there's photography. Yeah, there's, yeah two separate um, things, of, right. Of course they overlap, but the way you succeed in the two of those are not necessarily uh, joined together. So in the photo teaching world, um, I think the first part that really helped me is that when I started teaching, I think it came at a time when there was a demand for Mm -hmm. female speakers that were strong and that had a different point of view. Um, I felt like, you know, and I, I've been attending photo conferences since I was 14 and 15. So I uh, grew up in upstate New York and we used to go down to the photo plus expo Mm -hmm. in New York every year since I was middle of my teens. And you know, I remember um, sitting and watching the Canon Explorers of Light, uh, mm-hmm. what, 14, 15. I would sit there and they would give presentations all day. I would sit there. I would go to the Adobe booth. And especially, 
at the big photo booths, there were no women. Like oh, literally yeah. no right. female speakers, none, not, not right. one. Um, and as a, a young woman, I noticed, um, and I, I was definitely raised in a way where my parents were like, whatever you want to do, it does not matter. You're going to do it. Yeah. Like we just, we know that you, you have that. And so when I looked at this, I was kind of looking around saying, what, what the, what the hell's going on here? Why are there not any women? So it, I just think I came out of time when there was a good opportunity. People were realizing, oh yeah, maybe female voices are kind of important. Oh, and then here's this young woman that's, that's eager. Um, and Did then it I make you others, angry? No, I wasn't angry. I thought it was stupid <laughs> <laughs> because um, I would go to these events, especially later on, and like at least half were women and sometimes there were more. And so right. I was like, well, how are you not representing your audience? Like, it just right. seems like bad business. And I've always been wired really, like really hardwired for business. I've been, I've had the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit since I was, again, like that same yeah. age. And I was like, this does not seem like good business practice. Right. Um, so and it wasn't. No, but I, no, I wasn't, I wasn't angry. I just like, this is, this is uh, right. ill thought out. Right. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to throw some shade, but also in the time where I started to, uh, started to speak more and get more opportunities, there were a lot of, and this is not hating, it's just the reality, like older men that were in charge of a lot of these programs that were retiring on their way out, whatever it may be. And it, you know, you'd get younger people, whether they were male or female that were like, oh yeah, no, we should probably fix this. We should have more, more female representation. So Mm -hmm. I think that was certainly one point, good timing. Um, but I think the other point is I genuinely got into speaking for what I think are the best reasons. Um, it was that I actually took, even though I was young, don't get me wrong. Like even though I was young, it took me a long time to get decent. I mean, that's like completely truthfully. It took me from like, and I'm talking, my life was photography 24 seven from like age 15 to like 22, 23. And like 22, 23 is when I took like some decent portraits. <laughs> like I just, it just took me a long time to put it all together. I had a lot of cheese factor. I had like the technique was really weak. And so once I started to figure it out and started to put it together, I wanted to teach people in a way that I wish the education had existed for me. I felt like a lot of the people that had taught me, they overcomplicated things to make themselves sound smarter. And then yes. when it like, yeah. So when the yes. bulbs, like when the light bulbs went off, I go, well, why didn't they just say that in the first in place? The, in the two thousands, especially, right? Is that what you're talking yeah. about? That's when I, that's when I learned yes. photography was, was early two thousands. Yes. That's, you know what? No one, I don't think anyone has actually brought that up to me in the last few years since I've been doing this, that there was a, there was a segment of time in the ed- educational portion of the industry as, as, as this huge transition was, was also occurring, right? Right. From film yeah, to exactly. digital. And you had this group of people that almost came across like they held the lease. Totally. Right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And they, and they, and they wanted to make things. I remember going to like little uh, workshops and stuff and having people get up and speak I don't know, for a couple hours. And at the end, you'd almost be like, what did I learn? I really don't even know what they just said. Totally. <laughs> and I feel like I could summarize it in three sentences, right? Yeah. And it wasn't, I don't know if it's that they came from a bad place or if it was like, 
it was really hard for them to figure it out and because they didn't entirely understand it, it was overcomplicated when they communicated it because they didn't have the understanding. Yeah, that um, was a big piece of it. Because there was a time when nobody nobody freaking knew anything. Of course. Right? And yeah. we couldn't just jump on YouTube to see how to do something. We couldn't right. do it. I, I was telling somebody the other day, I remember when I would go on YouTube at that time and I would look up photo tutorials and like the only ones I found <laughs> were like, there was this one guy who did the, you suck at Photoshop. Do you, did you ever see those videos? Yeah. They were amazing. Yeah, I don't know what happened great. to that guy. Um, but that was like the only thing that existed. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I like a lot of my early tutorials, like when I would figure things or when I would learn something, um, it wasn't from video. It was, it was books or in-person uh, classes, even though the online medium existed, it just photography, believe it or not, there was a time before there were endless photo tutorials online. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Really? Yeah. So I think, I think, I think part of it had to do with them not understanding. So when I started teaching my like where I came from was a place of, oh, man, this took me forever to figure out whether I was learning from someone bad or it just took me experience. Let me cut out the crap. Let me get to the meat yeah. of the stuff. Let me make it easy. Let me save you time. Um, and so I think that was also something people desired um, as well. well it's you, like save you time. You're also speaking to a huge audience, right? With the, with again, like the way that YouTube and everything else works today, as opposed to the way that it worked 15 or 20 years ago. Like, does it even occur to you to be, to hold that lease, so to speak, and to be conscientious of who's listening and who might take what it is that you're teaching and then it comes back and bites you? You know, like, I feel like that was a big piece too, is that people would only teach so much and then they would hold a little bit of this and a little bit of that off to the side. Does that make sense too? And that doesn't that doesn't happen so much anymore, does it? No, it doesn't. It, it was a thousand percent a thing. Um, there's so when yeah. I would first take classes, the first part of it was that they were always trying to sell something else. So they would give you like just a little bit, and we're trying to a push teaser. you to like yeah. it's a teaser yeah. to the next thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm going to. I personally would like to partially take credit for the industry changing to not holding things back. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying I'm the only one. I'm certainly not. But. Right. I would answer any question as fully as I possibly could with any secret I possibly secret I possibly had. Um, and so how I think of it is part of the reason, if you look at my work 10 years ago to now, it is in a different, it's not just like a different ballpark. It's a different state in a different ballpark. <laughs> like um, <laughs> it's just, it's a different level. And sure. I think it's because every time I would share a new technique or something I had discovered, well, I better go discover something new. I better go figure something out because yes. either I need more to teach or guess what? Everyone's going to catch up. So I, I got to keep pushing myself. Right. And I found it to be fantastic. You were really self-motivated. Like I've you were, mo like you that. were like, you were motivated by yourself to push yourself further to keep on going. Right. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So this is what I always ask people when we get to a, so here's my why question. Mm -hmm. We have the benefit in hindsight, of course, now 10 years later, 15 years later, to look back and say, this is how things were. This is what I did. Uh, why were you that way? Because I do agree. I think you were one of the pioneers of pushing that movement, so to speak, at the time. But you didn't necessarily know that in the same way at the time that you do now, because it's 10, sure. 15 years later. Why were you like that? Why? It was from frustration of going to classes and feeling, I didn't have, like, I didn't start off with money. Like I didn't, you know, so I would attend these classes and even if it was $69 at the end, if I didn't come away with something or felt like they're holding back, like that $69, 
like, I, you know, I just burned $69. Yeah. Like that's it's $69, you know, it's, it's still money. And so I, I would go to conferences and there was a lot of times where I would sit through something and go, they could have told me more. They chose not to. Yeah. Um, and it's because I it. went from yep. the conference or the, the learning, uh, conference as like the attendee side into the teaching side. So I think it was just at, like, I, I relate to not wanting to waste time or money. I didn't have it like that. $69 could have bought me X, Y, Z towards my photo career, you know, but yeah, I, I knew the value of education. Yeah. So I think, I think it was that. Um, and I also just, I, I think part of being young too, is I don't feel threatened by people. Like when I was, when I was young, they were medium now, <laughs> solidly in the medium, not young. But yeah. at that point, um, I feel like you're not afraid of people stealing things from you when you're, you're young, like you're learning, yeah. you appreciate any knowledge that's bestowed upon you. So it's yes. like, why, why am I going to be protective over things people gave me? Right. Like it, right. you know, how much of, okay. So you kind of have your, your, your photographer, your creative photographer identity piece. I'm, stu- I'm going to stumble through this part. And then you have this education piece, this educator piece, right? And they're, and they're distinct, right? But you even said earlier, they're also kind of, they're intertwined. It's not like they're completely separate from each other. Which one of those gets you up in the morning or is it both of them? So this sounds like a cop-out answer, but it it depends on when you ask me, Uh, (laughs) because I think if I do any, any one of them too much, I get tired of one or the Mm, other. mm -hmm. Um, And it doesn't mean that I don't love both of them, but if Mm -hmm. I shoot nonstop, I'm just exhausted because I've been producing, producing, producing. Mm -hmm. But if I teach nonstop, then I'm like, oh man, I want to get back to shooting. So it's, it's really is the, the, kind of the balance between the two and in a similar vein to that um, now that I'm established enough um, when I want to shoot something and have an idea for something creative I can shoot that and make it be something that will educate people whether it's a YouTube video or a tutorial or whatever it may be Um, so I can make them work together but this is not exactly the question you asked but just something interesting is when I first started uh in New York, I was basically told that I had to pick. I had to choose if I was going to teach or if I was going to shoot. And it could not be both. It had to be one or the other. And I felt like I had been told a lot of things that had to be before. So I kind of ignored people. I mean, it doesn't mean (laughs) I didn't like, you're like, yeah, I've heard this before. <laughs> yeah. But like the, you always hear, like, there's always things, like just, you know, ugh, there's so many examples. Right. So I kind of said, well, let's just see, I'm going to do what I want to do. We'll see if I end up getting pushed or pulled one direction or the other, yeah. you know, as long as I'm happy, cool. Yeah. Um, but just to give you an example, like of how they, things all kind of loop together is um, I shot before this all happened this year, I shot a, a big campaign for uh, Morphe Cosmetics. Mm-hmm. And the way that they heard of me was not through my marketing side and the, uh, you know, like all the marketing materials I send out and not all the promotions and agents and things like that. Where they heard of me is the producer that worked from them previously was a producer for creative live in Seattle, moved oh. down to LA. And then with her new job said, I know this great photographer and then sent it over. And it was a major campaign. Like, yep. and that's you know how what you I mean? got it. So, yep. so there's, it's more about connections as well as your ability to produce and your ability to relate to people. And like, there's no one path to success. And when someone makes you feel like that and it 
it just doesn't work for you, like know that they're full of crap. Like there's always, there's always another way. Well, and don't you think end. that the last 10 years, one of the other things that has happened, and I'm going to, I'm asking, I'm not telling, I'm throwing yeah. this out there, but in the last 10 years, I feel like one of the other things that has happened that's different from the 2000s is that the stigma surrounding someone that's educating as well as photographing has kind of been erased in that I remember it used to be people were all concerned about, well, you know, I, I see that you're teaching. Do you really have a business still? Or how much of your income comes from teaching versus like actually photographing? And I'm not saying those aren't, I'm not dismissing those, those inquiries as if they don't matter anymore, but it used to be a really big deal. Yeah, and, no, I and I now think... it's it's less it's less than because I think people understand kind of the 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 relationship, the symbiotic relationship between the two of them that you're talking about, don't you think? Well, you also have the most successful people at the top of any of these careers and fields now teaching things like master classes. And so it's right. like, yes, you know, so yes. they're like, oh, sure. so teaching isn't crappy. Like, you know, people <laughs> see right. it as a, you right. might be at the top of your field is why you're teaching. Yes. Um, yes. I think it's, I, I do think it's twofold. I, I certainly think it, it for sure exists uh, in the, the fashion realm at the high, highest echelons of like, you know, really exclusive designers and what, whatnot. I'm, I'm sure it was, yeah. it's, it's still a problem, yeah. but I think brands now more want to know um, what you bring to the table and sometimes your audience or your ability to communicate, which you gain from teaching is more yep. important to the service you're providing because yep. sometimes I'm not just delivering photos. Sometimes I'm delivering photos with the behind the scenes videos, also with a live stream with a, you know, cause they want content creators, not just photographers. Um, so I think the needs have changed in the past decade. So regarding success, success specifically because this is all, success to me is always something that's so individual and so subjective right there's not like this blueprint that ever anyone can just subscribe to and say yeah that's what success is the lat for you the last decade you would consider it pretty successful for yourself right <laughs> yes what does the next decade look like to you regarding that same vector like in 2030, mm. when we sit down together and, and you say, yep, 20s, the 20s were really successful for me as well. Sure. What do you think that looks like over the next 10 years? All right. So I have, uh, we'll start off with the non-answer answer, and then I'll give you the real answer. Love the the non-answer answer is, um, I think as many women and men uh, in their 20s into early 30s will attest yeah. to that the 20s are tough. <laughs> uh, being in your 20s is, you don't know who you are, you don't know what you want, you don't feel successful. I mean, not everybody, but it was, it was tough. And you make some poor decisions, whether that's people you surround yourself or uh, business decisions or personal, like it's all that, right? And I think I would say that I found like really like solid happiness around like 33, to 31, like that year of 30. Yeah. Um, and so like the last, I mean, I'll just give you my age. I'll turn 35 in September. So in a couple of months. months. Okay. Um, so, so from 30 to 30, almost five, I've just been reveling and going like, Oh crap, this is what happiness is. Oh, this is awesome. <laughs> like, it's just that like looking around going like, Oh, this is good. It's like, I don't know. 
I don't feel like I'm drowning. I don't feel like there's crappy people around me. Like it's, it's just good. So part of what I would consider success, if you look over the next decade, if I look back and go like, I figured out what the happiness was and I kept the formula that maintained that for a decade. Yeah. Um, and I think, I don't like, I think too many people require, and I've always been like this. I'm super ambitious, like crazy ambitious. I always want more, but I also realize that after like, you know, your whole life, not feeling happy and then finding it, like there is value in just maintaining that and, and keeping true to what that is. So that's the not answer answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more business side is I actually, um, part of me, I, I'm still expanding and, and want, you know, bigger clients and what, and, and whatnot on that side. But I have started to um, help some other creatives, non-photographers, uh, to produce content for themselves as well. The ones mm. that I see that are really superior educators that are at the top of their craft. So mm. how I would like to view myself equivalents in other realms, uh, like makeup, for example. So yeah. I just uh, helped a uh, two close friends of mine do their first uh, formal tutorial. And so I would like to see that expand. Um, and because I see there's a lot of, a lot of crap on the internet and a lot of, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of bad, uh, education also. And, and this is not all influencers are crappy. I'm not saying that, but there's also right. a lot of education from influencers. that's that's not helpful to people. So, uh, part of what I would like my next decade to involve is putting out more educational content. That's not just me, but working with other creatives that I think have a lot to offer. Kind of a producer, even mm-hmm. mentor, so to speak, kind of. Yeah. Exactly. You Okay, you said something, or maybe you didn't mean to infer it, but it really sparked something in my (laughs) mind when you were talking about in your 20s and into your 30s, and then you hit 30, and I don't know how you said it. I would have to go back and listen. But Uh in my mind, here's what I was thinking. I was thinking, I wonder if she had to make some tough choices, especially Mm -hmm. relationally, Mm-hmm. During those years when you are, when everything is just starting to take off for you, right? Yeah. And and I can relate to this a little bit when you have this, you know, you have this these relationships and this circle of friends and these people you know over here and these people you know over here. And you always, see, now you see those memes now that say you want to look around when things are going well for you. You want to look around and see the people that are clapping, Mm-hmm. And you even want to notice more the people that aren't like your friends, right? Like who's yeah. not clapping for you? Did you, yeah. I got the sense as you were just talking about all that, that you've had to make some tough choices relationally in those realms. Oh, for sure. Of course, no names. This isn't what that's yeah, yeah, about, yeah. but no, no. like from a bigger, broader sense, what was that like for you as you're just taking off and not everybody's clapping for Lindsay? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I have a specific time frame in mind where I, I had a lot of people that I felt that I owed a lot to mm. because I, when I first got started, they were people that I worked with. Now, mm. these may be personal relationships like, yeah. like boyfriend and whatnot, but it also could be um, I worked with hairstylist, makeup artist, or there was somebody for sharing spaces, like just things like that, yeah. right? Yeah. And so even when objectively I was getting abused, like just treated like shit for so many different ways. Um, I felt that I owed it to these people to 
continually give them more chances or to yeah. adjust my expectations to suit them. And so I have a very specific time frame where I had, it was, I mean, this is true. This is exactly what you're saying. I was, I turned 30 and like my first couple of months of 30 were rough. Like I had some, it was a health issue and then there was relationship things and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I had a point where I did, uh, like I just like massacred, <laughs> like got rid of people. Um, and it was because if, when the oh. when I got rid of the first one, it felt so good. Then I got rid of the <laughs> second and then I got rid of the third. Um, and oh, so that's perfect. I just, and I'd never done it before. Like I never yeah. like just cut you know, like I, I canceled relationships. I canceled, um, friendships. I can't, which it sounds like I didn't value them, but I realized, you know, these it's, they're toxic and it just lasted too long. Um, and so if you look at me now, the people that I have in my life and that I, I value and interact with, there's basically one or two holdovers from that time. Mm -hmm. And it's not because I just stopped valuing people is that I realized the people that valued me. Um, and then that was an important perspective to take into, into account. Well, and then when I look back at, and I add that to what you were saying and kind of overlap those two things, it, it also seems to me like that led to that period of time that you're now in where you realize yeah. what it was like to really be happy and look around and think things are really going well. This is great. This is right. And that happened on the For other sure. side of kind of, uh, the by Felicia moments where you're like on the other side of those (laughs) relationship executions, so to speak. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it, it, and and it, people all, you know, everyone feels like this. And when I say abusive relationship, whatever it, whoever is toxic to you on the other side, you go, Oh shit, I should have done that sooner. (laughs) Really? Like like that's the other thing, right? You you wonder why you didn't. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now this is a pivot. Cause that was, that was really deep and heavy. Now I want to get into something a little lighter and it's, you know, of course I go through my mind about all my own stuff and I want to, I want to yeah. jump out of that. Cause I'm now I'm freaking out a little bit. Okay. Look, no, create no. the creativity piece. Right. So yeah. I have your Instagram feed pulled up. I've been looking at your Instagram stuff for years. I don't even know how long it's been. And I want to mention something about your imagery. Yeah. There's so much to them. You know, like there's a, when you, when you read a really good book, right, and then it, you get to the point where you even read it a second time. I'm a reader, so I, I read books mm-hmm. multiple times sometimes. And you pull so much out of it that you didn't even, uh, how did I miss that the first time? When I look sure. at your images on your feed, I can I look at them and then I go back and I sometimes look through again. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you don't, you do this with a lot of people, but I see new things or I notice new details or it's like I have a different perspective. You have so much stuff packed in and it's like <laughs> every image too. Why, why is, why is your stuff like that? I want, I, and, and I'm not, I don't mean to say that there's an easy button that you can throw out there for no. people, but how would you talk about your own stuff? in regards to what I'm saying to you. Okay. So, um, (laughs) how I describe my style generally is that it is a clean, bold, and graphic style that portrays women in a way that is both strong and elegant. 
That is my elevator pitch. That's kind of the way I describe things. And that's what I it's use true. as my, my guiding principle. Um, and so when it comes to like, let's talk clean, bold and graphics. So let's do the clean yeah. and graphics. So in yeah. any of my shots, I want literally every pixel to be on purpose, whether yeah. that means every hair, every color, every tone, like there's nothing that's by mistake, zero. Yeah. Um, and the graphic element is in my compositions. It's in the makeup. Uh, it's in the way that I use contrast. Um, I'm integrating yeah. that for the graphic element. And then the bold, the bold means I don't want you to ever look at my photo and go, okay, that's nice. Like there's gotta be something that, that was uh, pushing the edge a little bit, like the super saturated colors or the super high contrast yeah. black and white or the crazy makeup or something that was just a little bit beyond safe. Um, and then for portraying women with strength and elegance, I don't do um, like gritty and, and rough um, strength. I do, uh, the way I like to portray strength tends to be with dignity, which is why it's, you know, elegance and dignity uh, hand in hand. So, yeah. you don't even when I photograph nudes, which I do actually do quite often, it's, they're never like where they feel in the realm of like, glamour playboy-ish like it's that's yeah. not because that's and, and again not that that's uh not uh you know a different way of photographing a nude but it's not my vision and my style so well, it, it carries mind, through whatever i do in in my mind i get what you're saying i in like every pixel has a purpose that is freaking perfect but what i'm hearing you say at least from my perspective is and especially as i scroll through your feed I don't ever get the sense that any of your subjects are being exploited, ever. Oh no, never. And I, and I don't. Totally. And I don't mean that that would yeah, even yeah. be on your radar. But you know, like sometimes you can look at someone's body of work, and you even you even mm -hmm. mentioned it. Like, I want to be just be like when you're talking about the boldness, just beyond safe, right? But mm -hmm. you're not you're not crossing a line into something where I ever see anything and think, oh that that, that I feel like an ickiness there. Like every. <laughs> And, yeah. and I, I'm get what I'm getting to is because I, I sense that you're very intentional about that. How mm -hmm. do you, how do you tow that line? How do you, how do you know, like in the shoot, especially in real time, mm -hmm. when to like, oh, we're not going to go there, or oh, we need to do this over here, or I want to make sure that I don't make this happen or do this. How do, how does that work? Yeah. I actually think I'm not going to say it's easy, but it is easy in that. It all has to do with intention. When you approach yeah. a shoot knowing your purpose intention, then you're not, you're significantly less at risk of the cringe factor, mm -hmm. um, as I like mm -hmm. to call it, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not in there for uh, any nefarious purposes other than no. to make art. And I know right. when I come into it, what is this photo supposed to say and communicate? And then when I know that, then I know the lighting that supports that idea yeah. and the posing that supports that idea and the styling. And so um, it's never even something I, I have to think about. Like, I don't remember ever... I really genuinely can't remember looking at any of my photos after the fact and going, Ooh, I'm definitely not going to post that because oh. of like feeling it, it never even, they don't ever even get captured. Like I just never gets to that point because you're prepared. Yeah. You, you go in ready. Yeah. And I also think that's, and I'm, you know, let's specifically talk about nudes in, in this case, since like mm -hmm. that is what, you know, where you're, you're at risk of it most. Um, I don't, I don't do sessions where I just have someone show up and then say like, okay, let's, let's make art, which I understand why some people do, but I say, 
okay, today we're going to capture these three concepts. And so we're prepared. Everyone's on the same page. I don't just work with me and the model. There's usually hair and makeup. There's usually some sort of prop. Uh, And then if you diverge from that because you find your momentum moving in an exciting direction, I mean, I certainly do that. Uh, Right. But it's it's never any any surprises. Um, Right. Yeah, it's a lot, a lot of preparation. Spontaneity without surprise. I like. I kind of like that. You're like you yeah. allow for it, but you're still yeah. prepared when you go into that space. Yeah, I think okay. people think people think spontaneous is you show up and you just make something, but that's not the case right. at all. You got to right. put you're good stuff shooting. in front of you right. and then evolve. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Okay, so let's do this. Talk to me about Canon a little bit, and here's here's yep. what I want to know. Um, Canon's a big deal for you and it is for, for me, it is for the industry in general. I get that. Mm -hmm. But I want to know something a little personal. Like you mentioned when you were a little girl or when you were in your teens Mm -hmm. and you're going to, you know, photo East and you're going to the Javits and it's this big, huge, and you walk in and it's this massive place and you walk over to the Canon booth and there's all these explorers of light. And of course, at the time, everyone's a man everywhere that you look. Mm -hmm. Now you are one and you're, you're a very hope you're, you're a high profile explorer of light within the explorers of light too, right? Like you're in this upper (laughs) echelon of the upper echelon of people. What is it like for you now going, you know, being able to remember that, that girl that would walk in and now that's you. Um, so when, when people, ask me about some of my greatest, like, what, what do you feel your greatest accomplishments or what are you most proud of? Yeah. Um, that's definitely, definitely near the top. Um, yeah. because it was a symbol and it's a symbol of, of a level of accomplishment that I wanted to achieve. And yeah. so it's not that I think, Hey guys, being sponsored by a brand is what validates your existence in life. Right. Like I'm not like, right. I don't want that to be what I'm communicating, but it's something that I saw and that I admired and that I sought and that I got it, you know? And yeah. so I remember, um, and like, granted, this is like, a, like at the time it was a little bit, um, a little bit uh, beyond perhaps what would be expected. But like when I was at that age, like in yeah. teens, yeah. I remembered, uh, I approached the person that was in charge of the program and I said, how how does somebody become an explorer of light? Yes. And I I wanted to know this and I don't blame him at all. He was like obnoxiously dismissive, but I'm sure he gets to ask that question a million times. I totally get it. Like, like everyone asked that question. Yeah. And he, but he, you know, after I pushed him a little bit, I basically got from him, you needed to produce a superior quality of photography. Yeah. Have superior level of education and have an audience that uh, you bring along with you. And so, you know, you know, to answer when people have that question and that is what is, that is the answer, but having a little bit of insight into it gave me a roadmap of like, okay, I knew what my destination was. I didn't know how to get there. So now I'm going to, I'm going to focus on that. Um, Yeah. And I, I, I'm not sure, like eventually he was around when I was working on, on trying to get in the door uh, and had had more experience. I, I always wondered if he remembered when I approached him because it had been yeah. like, you know, yeah. seven, eight years prior. Sure, sure. Okay. Now, to, to keep on going with that, because of course, it's a big deal that Canon has these new mirrorless cameras. Mm-hmm. And the R5 in particular, and you, I read the specs on them and I just can't, like every, you know, all every time there's this new there are these new cameras, your mind gets blown. And so once again, my mind is 
blown by just reading the specs. I don't, I haven't shot with one. I'm not a photographer. My wife is. And so she's the one that's, you know, her, whose mouth is watering about these, this new gear, <laughs> but I am a gearhead, And so I'd like to know from you, what's it like to shoot with the R5? So I think one of the things I always try to urge photographers to realize is that obviously the whole purpose of gear is to make your job easier and for you to focus on it less. Mm. You should think about your gear less if it is good. Uh, It should not get in the way. And yes, there are gear nerds. I certainly fall into that category periodically. Um, But I always approach it more as what does this allow me to do rather than like what function does this have? Okay. Okay. Fair Um, enough. And so what I love and was kind of obsessed with about the camera is that when I got it into my hands, so everything was kind of just shutting down for quarantine and Mm -hmm. I knew that they had wanted some images for a launch. And so I I called them up. I said, Hey guys, I'm shooting tomorrow. It's my last day before I'm locking down. And so they overnighted me the camera and the learning curve was zero. I I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't have a manual. I didn't call them up. I didn't, I just fiddled around for five minutes and then I shot all, like I shot all these burlesque images they were very like Ziegfeld Follies. Yeah. Um, and so basically Super user-friendly, it was insanely user-friendly, but gave me all of these capabilities that made me do my job easier. And I think that mm. should be the whole purpose of yeah. any time there is an improvement. It should be something that you don't have to think about, but all of a sudden your job is easier. So for example, um, I love and it is a massive step up. I love the face and eye tracking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is fantastic. Fundamentally, the camera is like a 5D4 with a an EOS R married, but then with like some of the features of like the 1DX. Like there's, it's it just kind of put everything right. together and said, here, here's right. everything at once. Right. Um, you know, so the face and eye tracking is fantastic. And I don't, I mean, maybe a lot of portrait photographers, maybe they figured this out. I never did. I never ever figured out Let's shoot at 1.2, focus and recompose and get it in focus. Like I never (laughs) was able to do that. Um, And so I've been shooting now in a way that I never had before. Like if you look at my work, you would never see narrow depth of field. You would never see something shot at 1.2. And I've been shooting at 1.2 all the time. Uh, I have a new project coming out in the next week or two where like the whole thing is like 1.2, 1.8, 2.0. So that's, that's one thing. Then, so this is a, this is an example where gear has allowed you to seem, essentially seamlessly integrate a whole new look that you weren't easily or comfortably able to uh, uh, capture before. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Well, a perfect example is, and this is like mildly embarrassing, but a couple <laughs> of years ago, like two, maybe two, three years ago, um, I, this was just before the EOSAR. Like, like this just before it came out, um, I was shooting for an eyelash company, right. Mm -hmm. Um, fake eyelashes. And I was shooting like, they're, they're a good client. Like it's, it's, it's a lot of money uh, every year. And so shooting, they wanted me to do kind of more of a lifestyle shoot outside on location. And I had like a digi tech. So we had like, you know, I was shooting tethered and checking the images and they kept saying when the images, well, we want the background to be blurrier. Mm. And there's obviously a couple ways to do this. Right. Um, and so I would go through them, but one of it, one of them is let's shoot at a wider aperture, obviously. And my digitech, but if anyone doesn't know, basically the guy sitting at the the computer, 
uh, checking the files, he's trying to communicate in code to me that I'm not nailing the focus like, in anything. <laughs> like, yeah. no, oh. off, nope. Because they, the shot that they, the shots that they liked were at like 1.8. Yeah. I just wasn't getting it. So my point is like, it was terrifying. And this is like a big money shoot. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's just not something that would have to be stressed out about anymore. So it's not a thing anymore. No. And people like, this is the old people that go, you kids don't know how much right. easier it is these days. Well, like right. it, it'll be that in, in five years, we have no idea what it was like before shooting with face and eye tracking. Well, but that's the beauty of it. Like, I, and it's one of the reasons why I'm a gearhead is because what you're talking about is, is ideal. You don't, you don't necessarily want to have to jump into something that's a gigantic learning curve, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can if you can seamlessly transition into something that then as you're using it you realize has all these amazing new capabilities or improved capabilities. Yeah. That's ideal. Yeah, and and I think this is where, you know, in in a lot of photographers that I'll teach when they're trying to figure out how to use something, and I'm not just throwing some other brands under underwater, but or, uh, under the bus. But mm-hmm. when um, they're going through menu systems and like can't find something basic, you and can't it's find it, freaking, right? Freaking, freaking buried, and like we're working together, and there's eight, eight of us around trying to figure this out. Like it's, right. it's just not the case. Like right. you know, and and um, my my <laughs> lovely boyfriend upstairs, uh, Chris yeah. Knight, he uh, yes. he always makes a good example of like you know he knows, for example, that. Um, for the price, some of the things that you'll buy from an Apple or like a Mac computer, it is not the most specced out. It is not, uh, the strongest, the most powerful, but it has a great user interface that can just make your life easier. Yep. So it depends on what, you know, what you're, you're choosing to value. And he, you know, in in this case, it just works better. And how much does that mean? That means the world, right? right? Yeah. So there's that. Um, but anyway, if you want to know other stuff that I was impressed by, um, you know, one of the things I liked is that I was always freaked out for mirrorless, uh, with battery, battery life being crappy, but the new camera actually has a battery that has, I don't know, their, their specs said something much lower. I think their specs said something like 600 shots. Um, but I, I I shot close to a thousand before I had to switch. So I don't know like what, what I did differently, but I got through like a, a thousand frames. Uh, but yeah, I think their specs are 600. But it's um, nice to it's nice to find out it's nice to find out that they're giving you conservative estimates with their specs too. Like if yeah, they totally. say 600 and you're getting 450, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah, totally. You know? um, also, I love the video features. Now, I'm not a video shooter first and foremost, but there are a lot of times when. It is a small piece of what a client wants throughout a day. Hey, we need uh, two 15 seconds Instagram yes. story clips, yes. which happens yes. to me all the time. Like I should right. do for this one skincare brand that in their shot list, 80% are stills. Then the last 20% is some type of social motion and they're not in their budget hold, you know, hiring another huge uh, video team. So right. I need to have that. And um, you know, I'm probably not in the near future going to shoot 8k. They're, could be a reason, but I definitely shoot 4K for sure. Right. And it has 4K 120. So for example, I have ones where like they're, you know, spritzing lotion on their face and now you can do like slow motion of, of, uh, you know, things in the air or drips or whatever, which is actually well, useful. But it wasn't very long ago that we were all saying, and I don't, but I don't really shoot 4K right now, you know, even though it was well, totally. available. And now all of a sudden we're at that next level where now 4K is pretty normal 
right? It's very and, normal. And, yes. and 8K is like 8K is coming right on down the pike. And so you you have this R5 that already has that capability and can do it in spades, right? Well, and the reason that I, I like that as well is I'm also, people ask me all the time, maybe Canon wouldn't like this, but you're like, okay, well, what camera do I need? And I said, okay, well, what camera do you have? And yeah. what do you think you're missing genuinely? Yeah. And so yeah. this does give you the ability for this camera to be your go-to camera for longer because for a long it's time. putting, yep. yeah, it's, I mean, and it's got 45 megapixels. So you're not going to need to jump up in megapixels. No, you'll uh, be fine there. <laughs> high frame per second. Um, you've got uh, AK video capability. So I feel like you should be able to buy it and hold on to it for yeah. a really long time. Yeah. Especially since, you know, periodically they people do uh, firmware updates and all that stuff. So, right, right. you know, and I, I, you know, I think for what you're getting, I think the price is, is a good price. But yeah. I understand like, I mean, thousands of dollars is a lot of money. And so you want to know that you're not going to be like, oh crap, I need to upgrade next year. You know You know what I saw? I saw it was like, uh, I don't know, it's under four. It's like 38 or 3,900 bucks yeah, for the body. Exactly. And, and I thought, okay, here's my, you don't, you kids don't know what it's like. I spent like eight grand on a Kodak 760 in 2002. Yeah. And the yeah. year before that, it was like $25,000. I know for someone a, who bought it at that price. <laughs> right. For like three, what would be, we got like 3.2 megapixels and we like thought it was insane. a dream. Yeah. So yeah. here, that's my, you kids <laughs> don't know what it was like story. Totally. Uh, you know what, where can you give out, give out your information, your Instagram and your website and anywhere that people can go to, to see you. Yeah. So if you want to see my work and I update it most regularly, it's Lindsay Adler underscore photo on Instagram. And then if you wanted to see my portfolio, kind of the body of work, it's lindsayadlerphotography.com. And then my educational site is learnwithlindsay.com. Lindsay, this was an absolute pleasure. I am honored that you would choose to do this. I really appreciate your time. You are a fabulous interviewer. I get lots of these where they're not actually listening and uh, they just have a list of questions. So I appreciate that you engage and ask great questions. I had, I had two questions on my list. <laughs> Yeah, you did a great two, job. Two that I wanted to get to. So I appreciate you saying that. Have a great day and enjoy your time this week. Thank you. You too. I'll see you at the next event someday. Whenever. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Thanks.